Welcome to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan, your host. It's always a pleasure to come your way here on the program to bring you our very special guests. Why am I chuckling? Because today is uh, ever so synchronistic, and I'm a firm believer in that. We are going to talk about some very interesting um, positions, if you will, or position that we find ourselves in as human beings on this planet at this time. Now, the old Chinese proverb or the old Chinese saying, um, may you live in interesting times. I don't think there has been a time in human history that hasn't been. The entire span of human history that everyone has lived in for them were, quote unquote, interesting times. My very special guest today is going to talk about that. He's got a new book, Chaos to Calm, Personal Freedom from the Inside Out. Brett Cotter's my guest, and we're going to talk about uh, uh, some of the things that we find ourselves in. Um, accelerated stress. Uh, no one talks uh, to how, no one, uh, we'll try that one again. No one uh, uh, talks to us on how to process and release trauma. Uh, Brett, first of all, thank you so much for being here on the program. And it seems to me like with what we've been going through the last couple, three years, the conversations that we are starting to have probably would never have happened if what transpired for the United States in March of 2020, if it hadn't happened, there would still be a stigma when it comes to our own personal mental health and well-being. Thank you for being with us. Thank you so much for having me on, Richard. It's uh, an honor to be with you. And um, I think it's a very timely topic. And, you know, everything you said, I feel like you're, you know, right on, on the point. And um, since the pandemic started, I feel like, you know, we've seen waves of mental health, you know, uh, that wave go back and forth in certain communities after certain uh, community events or tragedies and in certain demographics. But I feel like the whole world now can relate to what it feels like to be isolated, trapped in our own thoughts, left with our own emotions, not being able to find a good therapist, not knowing where to go, and then ultimately feeling traumatized since the pandemic. So um, I am really excited to have this conversation with you today and to be on with you. I know that um, in the middle, uh, probably in the middle of 2021, I'm going to say, the conversation shifted from uh, the actual virus to the new pandemic that was fast approaching, hurtling at breakneck speed towards us. And that was the healthcare pandemic because of what you just stated. Um, we have, as I mentioned, um, accumulated stress. No one taught us how to process and release trauma. And by nature, humans are constantly creating. Uh, very little is planned. Very little is conscious, conscious creation, if you will. How many kids were planned versus unplanned? Um, 
I, I, you know, I myself, I, I look at the, uh, the, the, the population counter. I watched it as it flipped over to 8 billion. I was sitting there online and I watched the counter flip over how accurate that is. I have a funny feeling it's probably pretty accurate, but I've often thought, how many more kids do we need? Come on. I mean, the, the biggest problem is you have within specifically within women, that maternal instinct that you, you can't just shut it off, you know? So there's this, there is this drive within us as human beings to uh, propagate the species. You know, you set aside the religious aspects of be fruitful and multiply. It's just part of our DNA, isn't it? And so we, it's almost like as much as we want to be free of a lot of this mental, emotional, and spiritual, let alone physical trauma, we keep adding to it. Um, and I'm not necessarily asking you for an answer to that query per se, but is that a fairly accurate observation that it's it's almost as if, and I've used this analogy before, my house is on fire, but I'm not leaving because it's comfortable. We, uh, joke around about this a little bit. We talk about uh, no matter how uncomfortable our comfort zone is, we still don't want to leave it. And then I talk often about throwing a javelin over the wall of your comfort zone and then pulling yourself over that wall and uh, living on the other side in a pasture. And sometimes it does feel like that. You have to ju make a big leap over the wall of the boundary of your comfort zone and I feel like as at, just like any species, if you look at, you know, lions, uh, wild cats, uh, raccoon, anything, what species do on the planet to survive and to procreate, oh. it's time to kind of like throttle back on our survival mechanisms, which is our fight or flight with our stress um, and look at and open up. How do we listen to one another? How do we talk to one another and how do we love one another so i feel like you're you know absolutely on point with your observation and um it's just the time to throttle back and observe before we act well you know my um i i, <laughs> I spoke to my late father probably 10 12 years ago we were all sitting around uh, i don't know if it was his birthday or some holiday some celebration I happened to be visiting there in Phoenix, and I made the comment to my family <clears throat> that the reason I did not have any children, as a matter of fact, I have been neutered, thank you very much, uh, but it was a conscious choice, because I did not want to pass on the genetic material that uh, uh, created the visual issues that uh, that I went through as a kid growing up, and I didn't want any other kid to go through what I went through, even though... Yes, here I am, you know, and I'm doing great and I'm doing this and that and the other. I just thought, you know, why? Plus, if I really want a kid, there, there are plenty to adopt and the right one will find me as opposed to me finding it. And I shared this. I shared this with my family and my father says, oh, you know, Richard, if I had made that decision way back then, you do know you wouldn't even be here. And I said, yeah, dad, I, I get that. I do. I understand. <laughs> um, 
And in my mid late twenties, my parents were, we were sitting down chatting and somehow the conversation of my schooling, my upbringing, the bullying and so on and so forth. And my mother said, we are sorry that we couldn't protect you. And this mm. was primarily at school. And first of all, I appreciated the sentiment. I, I mean, my goodness, what that 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 takes a great uh, uh, courage and vulnerability on the part of a parent mm -hmm. to say we wish we could have done more. Of course, I started processing that, thinking, what would you have done? Followed me around in school? Right. That would not have helped. But. It seems as though there are some people in this world today, uh, Brett, who they're becoming conscious and they're beginning to realize a lot of what we're about, you know, that we've already talked about, that you've talked about, uh, that, you know, we're, we're basically wanting to turn this whole aspect of chaos into calm, um, as, as the title of your, uh, a title of your book reads. Are you seeing that, uh, that, you know, many of my interviews are more metaphysical and spiritual and will, I will talk to people and they will say, oh yes, we're, we're moving through this phase, you know, and, and, and there's great change coming. Well, there's always been great change coming, mm -hmm. but at the same time, it seems like there have been periods of time in our history where in pockets of the world, majority of people have started living their lives more consciously, more aware of not only their impact on the rest of the world, but even on their own lives and how, how, like you were talking before about this whole business of trauma, which we want to get into um, in terms of uh, uh, one of your other books, uh, The Three Keys to Managing PTSD, uh, and and talking about how we can we actually can question to you, Brett. We actually can move beyond the traumas, which are are they not more than they're not? Aren't they just more than observations that we've sort of placed judgment on? That the event itself is rather innocuous, but it's our observation our reaction to it that generates the trauma? Yeah, I think a few different components go into it. Um, really, the biggest key for me is how trauma is stored and in the back of our psyche and the effects that has on how we view the world and ourselves being safe or not in the world, Right. So when we experience a traumatic event in our formative years, and that's the most key element right there, a trauma went, you know, before age 12, because what happens then is a core belief stamps the memory of that trauma. And it's a fearful core belief. That fearful core belief um, gives rise to fearful thoughts, emotions, and behaviors. And they all work together to remanifest the same situations to validate the belief. So all that means is trauma repeats on us over and over again in different ways. So if we have some type of, let's say, early traumatic relationship with our mother, 
And we believe the stamp of that core belief is, you know, I can never trust her. She's never there for me. Well, guess what? That same core belief is going to impact your relationship with women for the rest of your life until you become conscious of that core belief. Because once you bring it to the conscious level from the depths of your subconscious, all of those behaviors and thoughts and emotions start to fall like dominoes. It's just becoming conscious. And that brings us back to what you started your question with about people becoming more conscious now. And I think it comes to a point where we have so much trauma buildup because it accumulates. It doesn't go anywhere. And I like to make an analogy with a closet, right? And every time we have a traumatic event, you imagine just like a big pizza box, right? You close the pizza box, you throw it in the closet and you stack them up. Every time there's a traumatic event or some kind of stressful event, it just goes right in the back of the subconscious mind neatly. However, over time, it all accumulates and that closet door, the hinges are busted off, the door is busted open, and we have those pizza boxes falling into the room of our conscious mind. And that's where anxiety comes in. So all of us throughout the pandemic, and I feel like the fear of the unknown was the biggest fueler of the pandemic and also all the loss that we experienced. Those two things together fueled our anxiety so that our subconscious fears, our old stressors, our triggers were all on the table that we were waking up with every morning, going to sleep with every night. And it just started to get worse and worse and worse uh, to the point where now we have our mental health right on the table, on the forefront, right? on the forefront of conversation, um, on the forefront of our lives. I mean, if you think about how many more people now in the last 18 months have seeked out some type of mental or emotional help or something to grow their consciousness, their awareness, right? To deal with their feelings. So, you know, I love what you said about, you know, talking to different guests you have on about, you know, moving into this newer dimension and the consciousness and, and I feel all of it is around unearthing the older caveman days functioning of our fight or flight reaction, right? And all we're doing is surfacing the stress and bringing more consciousness to those moments. And this is a daily challenge. And the bigger the trigger, the bigger the challenge. But I want everyone to remember one thing. It is not about your trigger it's about the trauma underneath it that's manifesting and fueling that trigger. Because once we get to the trauma underneath it and we bring that consciousness to it, it starts to unlock and release and unravel. And then we're left with some new open space to build that new structure of consciousness, security, self-love, and interconnection and that safety to interconnect with each other. Mm. Brett Cotter's my guest, Chaos to Calm, Personal Freedom from the Inside Out. What website shall we uh, link to, Brett, so that people can find out more about you and the work that you're doing? So stressisgone.com is the website. Uh, we also have a nonprofit, stressisgone.org. But our main website that has the membership, that has the retreats, that has the coaching, and uh, the book is stressisgone.com. So I encourage everybody to go there and check it out. 
Absolutely. Stressisgone.com. We will be linked to that website so that people can find out more about the work that you are doing. And uh, we're talking with Brett Cotter here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host. And uh, you've also another another work here, Three Keys to Managing PTSD. Uh, you're that the author of that of that work, as well as the founder of Stress Is Gone, as you just mentioned. Uh, you have tw- over 20 years of experience uh, helping thousands of people recover from the most traumatic events of their lives. Now, that seems slightly subjective only from the observational standpoint, because each person is going to experience their the events in their lives from different perspectives. And I'm guessing that's based upon what they have already been through, the experiences that they've already had uh, that may have generated uh, some of the um, beliefs or the mindsets. Uh, I know that for me, uh, for example, uh, uh, speaking about money, for example, uh, not long ago, uh, many years ago, I was sharing the story of a uh, in terms of how well, this would be kind of cool. I mean, if, if if all I had to do was reach into my pocket, I had exactly what I needed to pay for the things that I needed. What do I need? Hundreds or thousands or millions of dollars in my bank account if it's right there in my pocket every time. Uh, the story surrounds two gentlemen who go to breakfast, lunch and dinner. Uh, one of them, Bob, uh, asks Fred, uh, how is it you always have the right amount of money? So he tells him the story about this lamp he found in his garage that he was cleaning up. And out comes the genie, giving him one wish. And that was the wish that he made, that I always have exactly what I need. And I thought that was great. I thought, okay, I I, I can live with that. That would be kind of cool. Well, I interviewed uh, one of my guests and shared that story and uh, thought she thought it was, it was, you know, interesting. You know, it was a mindset. I had her on recently. And I said, you know, I have this giant toolbox with all of these tools I've gathered over the last 44 years. Why am I not doing better? Well, when the interview is over, she shared with me, she says, if you want to do better, you have to change your mindset. I th- and I thought about that for a minute. Uh, oh, I get it. If if I'm, I'm going to have to let go of the I always want exactly what I want in my pocket in order to be able to pay for what I need, which means I'll never have more. But I have to come from the intention of abundance, not from the perspective of lack. I don't have enough. Mm -hmm. So I rephrased my intention, my mindset to, I am content with where I am at this moment and not coming from a position of lack, I want more. Isn't that what we kind of have to do in our own minds and hearts, if you will, in order to make those kinds of shifts is that we start having to take a look at our belief systems or am I I too far down the road just yet? That, that comes later. So my approach is um, heal the traumas within us. And that's the first step. So typically when I'm working with somebody, there'll be between one and four traumatic events, usually at least one is involving their parents in the formative years. And then we go into those memories. We unlock and release all the pain, fear, judgment, sadness, anger from those memories. So when they reflect on those memories, 
there's no activation of stress, emotionally, mentally, or physically. So there's no reaction. So when that happens, when I bring someone to that place, we refer to those memories as resolved. That trauma is resolved. The person's at peace with their past. Now, once we clear out from the subconscious all that built up trauma, now we can really work on the belief embodiment technique, which is a technique we came up with about a year ago. And it helps you build the inner beliefs and embody them so that your cells actually believe it. So the systems in your body actually believe it that automatically manifests what you want in life. Because as human beings, we're automatically creating moment by moment, just like you and I are creating this moment and your uh, listeners are also involved in this. They're creating the next moment, moment by moment by choosing to be here with us right now. Mm -hmm. So we're all in the moment together. And there's one mantra that I like, all of my affairs are in divine order. And also, thank you, universe for more and more resources. Thank you, universe, for more resources than I ever imagined. So when we clear away the trauma and then we start to anchor in those kind of mantras into our heart, into our solar plexus, into our stomach, it's not only getting in on the mental level, it's getting in on the emotional and the physical level. So that is a key component to manifesting and bringing our belief systems up a notch from, I just want to have what I need to thank you universe for surprising me with more resources than I ever could have imagined. And that just opens up how we can receive love, Mm. our abilities to receive love. So love is just like receptors, right? Most of us, If we have children or a pet, it's very good to, let's use a a dog, for example, right? It's very good to give and receive love from a pet dog. Um, Also our children, sometimes our spouses, right? But we have issues with our spouses. So sometimes those receptors close down when we get afraid or angry or sad. So when we start to clear away the trauma, we're starting to cleanse through that fight or flight inside of us. It's almost like we're bringing it to a 2.0 level. Back from the caveman days, we're kind of evolving from the inside out by allowing ourselves to breathe and to unlock and release the old pain from those traumatic memories, to be able to sit with them as we release all that old fear. We open up to the safety and the comfort of being protected while we are here. And that kind of creates the open space again to call in the mantras and to repeat them and to embody them. And the key thing is to get your cells to buy into the mantra. Because if you think about this, and and I encourage everybody listening to think about this, how many times have you heard a lesson over and over again? Well, guess why the lesson keeps on coming? Guess why you keep on hearing it? Mm. Because you haven't embodied it yet. So I I remember going to a workshop like 20 years ago and this older gentleman walked out and I thought it was a great workshop. Um, Some of the stuff I heard before and um, it was just a good refresher. You know, I think the guy was from Argentina. He was like one of the gurus from over there. And we were in New York City and and this gentleman walked out really upset. He's like, oh, I heard it all before. And then I looked at him and I just said, well, why do you think you heard it again tonight? 
And then he just kind of like looked at me and he like kind of shuffled off. And that stuck with me because anytime I have a lesson coming at me for the second or the third time, I got to spend some time meditating on that lesson. That means the universe is knocking at the door and the door being my thick skull, right? It's trying <laughs> to get through to me. So think about in how many different ways through the relationships in our lives, through um, the things that keep on showing up, through our triggers. Your triggers are your best teachers. So how many times is the universe trying to get through to us? And are we opening the door and meeting the universe halfway and listening? And then beyond listening and releasing uh, to fully embody ourselves to kind of embody the most happiness and receive the most joy moment by moment. Seems as though uh, one of the places that I personally can go where, and it's been a while uh, since I have felt this is literally back to my childhood Hmm. when I was free, so to speak. I mean, I mean, and this is, this is prior to uh, entering the school system. Um, had the, uh, you know, had the freedom to go in the backyard to my father's consternation, dig a bunch of holes like, oh, I'm going to dig to China kind of thing. That's that was that was what we did as kids or build forts out of old wood and rusty nails that were stepped on on occasion, <laughs> but still uh, climbing the trees that, again, to my father's consternation, he didn't want us climbing the trees, but kind of acquiesced that, hey, we're kids. What do you, you know, uh, running around the neighborhood barefoot because most of the lawns had grass, green, lush Bermuda grass from one lawn to the next. Hardly any fenced in front yards when I was a kid growing up. And I think about those days and thinking, my gosh. Where where did that go, you know, and why am I not able to get back there other than in my memory in terms of there, there was no anxiety. There was no stress, at least, you know, as far as a kid is concerned, you know, it, it was what was the most stressful thing that we needed to figure out. You know, do I hammer the nail in here or over here? What's going to hold this fort together, this, these crumbling pieces of wood? Or am I going to dig a tunnel from one hole to the next for my army men or my Tonka trucks uh, toys to go through? That kind of thing. That seems to me a place that would be so wonderful to go back to. But the reality is we can't really go back in time, can we? Or can we? Yeah, so you thinking about that for a moment, just taking a moment, go thinking about your backyard, right? Because when you were just talking about that, I recalled my happiest moment as a child, which was before my parents got divorced, before I went to school, like before I went into kindergarten, I remember walking down the block. It was like our first walk in the neighborhood. And... I was really young. My mother had one hand. My father had the other hand. I was in the middle and they were swinging me as they were walking. Right. And then I would land and I would take a few steps and they would swing me again. Then when you talked about the backyard and digging, I remember digging with a stick and having the GI Joe figures and, and then also trying to make tunnels for them. 
And I started to feel it, right? Now, if you give yourself the time and the space, you could nurture those feelings from those thoughts. So at the end of most of our techniques, our step three is called breathe and release. And you actually lie down, you put one hand on your heart, one hand in your stomach, and then you start breathing deep and slow for about five minutes. And once per breath, you silently say, I'm okay. And that breaks us free from all stress and anxiety. And then we actually do something involved in the technique. So if uh, let's, we could just do a little bit of this together. So if you mm-hmm. kind of put one hand on your heart, one hand on your belly button, you start breathing deep and slow. Really feeling the airflow coming in through your nose, opening up your sinuses, cooling off your brain, going down through your throat, circulating throughout your chest. You're kind of following the airflow in. I'm okay. Following it out. I'm okay. Feeling the touch, connecting with any tension, breathing into the tension, embracing it with your breath not running away from it, but walking towards it, embracing it, and allowing the life force inside the breath to soak into the tension and embrace it. And then thinking about the backyard, and then thinking about the pure play, and then seeing if your heart responds to that imagery of the pure play not a care in the world, completely free, exploring the field, just poking around and exploring the field. And now the question is, can you connect the dots between your show and the dirt in the backyard? Because all you're doing in your show is exploring the field playing with someone else. And of course I I did, and I did that a lot with my brother, uh, with uh, neighbor kids who would Mm -hmm. come over because their dad did not want them digging holes in the dirt, (laughs) (laughs) but they would come over and we would have a grand time. It is extraordinary because As I began this process with you just moments ago, one of the things that I had to, I don't want to say fight with, but that was a bit of a challenge, was keeping the present day thoughts of those, we'll call them stressors, all right, Mm -hmm. the events that I find myself stressed over, from flooding in. And the only way that I could manage that was to say, not now, later, not now. I'm, 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 I'm doing something here. Just relax. Not now. And that seemed to work for me. In other words, it wasn't a get out, get out, you know, it was a calm, not now. It wasn't no. Do we find ourselves allowing ourselves to be distracted by the present day thoughts of the stressors that 
if we could say not now, that we might find more moments and more moments and more moments as we go through our day of that calm, of that peaceful feeling, like, you know, running around barefoot in the backyard in the middle of mm-hmm. summertime, you know, not not in school just yet, but just having a great time, you know, like we were just talking. Inner peace to me is like a garden. And when you say not now, some of us have those fences around our garden and sometimes the weeds want to come in through the fence. Not now is kind of like pushing the growth of the weed right outside the fence. You're always kind of creating space for your garden of inner peace, right? Which is great because Mm -hmm. you're not allowing your garden to get overrun. You're acknowledging the stressful thought seeping in. And where that daily stress comes from is the accumulation of all the stress we haven't dealt with, okay? And again, going back to the beginning of our time together, you had mentioned that we were never taught how to let go of stress, Mm -hmm. how to heal trauma, how to release anxiety. That should all be done by freshman year in high school. Like we should be masters at that because it's such an essential part of living on this planet and being alive, dealing with our 2 million year old fight or flight reaction, you know, that's super outdated. So I love when you say, you know, not now, because it buys you some more time, allows you to come back to the breath. What I teach is something similar, but we go at it through the body. Whenever stress starts to seep in, it's always going to be related to some tension in your body. So I teach people to become very body aware because really what we want to do is mentor our cells because our cells have the mentality of our inner child from age five to eight, right? So that's why we can intellectually know something, but our body's not going to buy in because we have to teach it to a kindergarten or a first grader or a second grader. So what I do is, identify where the tension is in your body. So once that stress starts coming in, identify the tension, put your hand on it, start to breathe into the tension and give the tension the life force that it deserves and that it's been waiting for and the touch. The life force and the touch is so healing. It could take a minute, sometimes even 30 seconds and you feel the tension melt away. And what do you think happens once the tension is gone? Those thoughts are automatically pushed away. So as thoughts and tension and stress accumulate as we go through our lives and it doesn't have an outlet, it's almost like the the tea kettle on the stove with that low flame on it the entire time. Mm -hmm. And it's whistling and it's whistling and it's whistling. We have to address it. We have to vent it. And if we get good at it, we turn the flame off. And that's what happens when we deal with the trauma. So the spark that ignites our stress reaction that really gets it where we get ahead of ourselves and we overreact, that's all fueled by trauma. And if we could just get in there, start to embrace it with the touch, the breath, express all of our feelings. I call that emptying the tank. Mm. We just express whatever's in there with no judgment. And then once we feel like we've emptied the tank, you just feel like, You've said everything you could possibly say to express this feeling. That's when we reconnect with what our own idea of a higher power is through our breath 
and using the mind at the same time. And usually we just use simple statements where we command our higher power to unlock and release all the old sadness from the bottom of our heart right now. And as you're breathing deep and slow and you say something like that, you actually start to feel layers of old tension release from your body. So it's really learning how to use the power of the spoken word to help you release and become more centered, to really start to create the inner structure of the not now so that you don't even have to do that, right? You're creating like that, a new structure from within that automatically has that security fence up that when the weeds want to get in right there, it's almost like they are automatically guided and weeded out from your garden of inner peace. So it's um, for me, the true security system is embracing all of our stress, our pain, any heaviness, any sadness, with our touch, breathing into it, expressing all of the emotions in there, and then reconnecting with our higher power and introducing it to our pain. Holding the sadness, the anger, the jealousy, whatever it is, in a chalice that we are commanding our higher power, allowing that pain to take seat in the center of it. And then after you breathe into it, usually it takes five to 10 minutes, you start to feel those old layers of tension just release from your body. And at the end of it, you kind of have this open space wherever the tension was. To me, our path here, as we become more and more conscious, we become on a path of just releasing tension because life is going to stress us out. Whether it's once a week, once a month, or once a day, life is going to always stress us out because we're always going to have some level of stress reaction or fight or flight in our bodies. Hmm. And life is like a game of with levels. So when we transcend one level of stress, another level will show up. But as long as we have the core competencies of using those tools, we can apply it to all levels. Mm. Mm. So for me, it always comes back to the breath and embracing whatever life is um, showing us. We're talking with uh, Brett Cotter. We're talking about uh, chaos to calm which we can all uh, use a little a little help with. I've often told people um, on this program as well as off that uh, this program is uh, my therapy. At least it's part of it. But I also have a lot of people in my life that I can turn to to just share. It's it's not dumping on them. Uh, they have offered to to be part of my support system. And of course, I'm certainly there for them. One of the things that I have found rather interesting, Brett, uh, is that I, and I encourage people all the time to have a support system, a network of people. And it doesn't have to be a lot of people. You know, it could be, it could be your significant other. Um, maybe, a, a a good co-worker i know that that in this day and age uh, this high-tech era we live in with social media and everything everybody is freaked out about sharing any part of themselves because they're afraid of who might find out well if you are one who believes in the divine a universal power, God, 
already knows everything. And if, as uh, much, much of science has been uh, telling us, there is actually only one mind, one consciousness, that means that over 8 billion people have access to that same information. But just because they have access to it doesn't mean they do, because they don't know how. We haven't been taught how to connect consciously. So it's, it's kind of along the same lines of, of, of dealing with the issues of trauma. No one taught us how to process and release trauma. Well, no one taught us how to process and connect with the divine, with consciousness, the singularity, I guess they call it, if you will. Mm-hmm. Talk to us about the connection as we talk here on Tell Me Your Story about having people participate in the decade of perfect vision, the 2020s, where we ask people to go within and listen to that still small voice. Tell us about that component and how important it is in this process that you have developed. So meditation going within, uh, identifying with the part of us that's one with all of us is an essential key component to all of the stresses gone tools, techniques, and method. Um, the third key to managing PTSD is meditate daily. Um, I'm also the trauma specialist for Meditation Magazine's teacher training program. You know, I love this idea and topic of the oneness in all of us, right? And what do you see when you go over to anybody and you look directly into their eyes? If you think about it and you look closely, you see a reflection of yourself in their eye. Mm So the oneness in all of us, it's just not person to person. To me, it's the spark of life. So when I see an animal, um, and you can do this with your pet, whenever you get close, you know, I do this with our cat karma all the time. I just look into one of her eyes and I see my reflection back. Um, It's the life force that bonds us. That's where the oneness is, whether it's a frog hopping from lily pad to lily pad, a fish swimming, a bird soaring through the sky. That's the part of us that is one with us, with everything, with all things. So now we bring it down to stress is gone. The stress is gone method. The third key in my first book, right? The three keys to managing PTSD. That third key is meditate daily. The simplest way to meditate is using stressed upper breath work, you know, sitting down or laying down, closing your eyes, placing one hand on your heart, the other hand on your belly button, breathing deep and slow, and once per breath, silently say, I'm okay in the back of your mind. Within five or 10 minutes, that completely disengages your body's fight or flight reaction by activating your relaxation response. When all your defenses are down, That's the moment where the heart starts to reopen and love starts to flow. You actually start to feel the openness and that safe space of inner peace. That's where we can start to reconnect with that oneness. I'm also the trauma specialist for the meditation magazine's teacher training program. And one of my favorite meditations that I've taught, and it's on our YouTube channel, 
for stress is gone is into the void. Now, the void is a very special place that a lot of the ancient cultures talk about in Hinduism, Buddhism. It is a wide open space of nothingness. And when you're in it, you identify with nothing and you feel one with everything. The coolest thing to me about the void is that when you're in it and there's no thought, there's nothing there, pure blackness, pure space, you don't even feel a form in your body. You're just a consciousness right in the center of it. And I love going into the void with a question, a clear question in mind. The clearer and simpler your question, the clearer and simpler your answer will be. But it's really getting into that space mentally, physically, and emotionally, that is just clear, that's when it's easiest for me to access my highest faculties of thinking. Um, And that helps me navigate my everyday life, my relationships, um, my decisions with stress is gone, um, everything that I'm doing. So the oneness, it's inside of us. The way I access it is through the breath. And As you breathe deep and slow and you bring your awareness and you sink it into your heart, you start to become saturated with the airflow. And you start to realize that it's not only what is inside you, the airflow is all around you. It's infinite. And that's when you really start to connect and just kind of pop the bubble of our awareness that's around us to start to connect with everything that is the true us where you're connecting with the life force. And I feel in those moments, it awakens new neural nets in your brain that start to sprout up like mushrooms in the backyard. They start to sprout up and actually affects the wiring inside of our body, inside of the rest of our central nervous system, where you start to build the inner structure that you are supported. You do have enough. There is enough. We have enough. Once we start to build that inner structure, Um, the oneness becomes clearer and clearer. The conversation that we are having here is with Brett Cotter, Chaos to Calm. You know, we need to, uh, we need to cleanse the conscious stresses by merging our most traumatic memories right where our minds were trapped in the temporary with that part of us that is one with eternity. I would take it that that's a a challenge for a lot of folks because it starts to cross, well, I'm going to use the term, it starts to cross religious or belief boundaries. Um, You know, this is the way I've always believed about, et cetera, et cetera. And um, that's all, you know, and there is only one truth, et cetera, et cetera. And it seems to me that we need to somehow bridge the gap between what we believe and I suppose in one sense, what we, what we know that we know. In other words, it's like intuitively mm-hmm. that we know. I, I know that my life has meaning intuitively, but I can't prove it to anybody else. I can only know that for me. I don't, and I don't put that on anybody else. What are your thoughts in that regard? For me, intuitively, I know that 
I'm in the presence of truth when every cell in my body stands up. You know, you think about an auditorium when people hear something and they stand up and clap. Like there's something that just gives rise inside that I feel inside my body when I know I'm in the presence of something that is true for me, that rings true. Now, the whole idea, where does like religion, beliefs, and um, concepts of God and stuff come in when we're actually merging our original traumatic memories with the part of us that's one with eternity, Mm -hmm. right? So the way I reconcile that, and we have people from all different religions, walks of life and ages and um, genders and stuff in our workshops. And one of the most amazing things to me in the workshop and in our retreats and in our coaching is the acceptance and love and support the group shows for each other. Because at the end of the day, we all feel the same core emotions. It's just different, slightly different traumatic experiences trigger those emotions. Mm -hmm. And, you know, being in a workshop with 30 people and one person's releasing an inner pain, let's say it's around fear and they, the group feels that vibration release from their body. Someone else across the room that had a similar vibration of fear, it starts to unlock and release within them. And it's almost like popcorn popping spontaneously. And I'm just helping facilitate the energy by giving each individual and the group the words to release it from their body, whether it's coming from their stomach, their solar plexus, their heart, their neck, their spine. I find when I'm working individually with someone in the coaching or in the the retreat in a group, as long as I know how that person loves to refer to a higher power, that's how they can receive their higher power. So whether you refer to a higher power as Buddha, Krishna, Holy Spirit, Great Spirit, Universe, Source, and we have atheists in the in the retreat as well. So we refer to, they typically will like to refer to the, the higher power as the universe, right? Or we could just take the word out sure. and they're just commanding. They just say the commands and the mantras to release it from that part of their body where the trauma was lodged in the temporary. And for me, the light never disappoints. Once we call in the higher power of the universe, once their pain is on the surface, and we use the term light, I shine my own divine light through the source of all the tension in the bottom of my heart, my stomach, wherever it is, unlock it and release it from the inside out right now. That's when you start to peel back the layers of the accumulated emotion that was ingrained in our body in the form of tension. And it just starts to peel back, peel back, peel back. And then there is just open space. And that's the open space of playing that we had as children. Before all the stuff from school, bullies, this event, that event has accumulated over our spirit and encased us in an eggshell of these old traumatic memories that are tucked away in our closet. So what we're doing is we're taking those memories out of the closet, calling upon the human spirit, our own divine essence, to cleanse it and release it. And as we do that, we are clearing out the middle layer of our consciousness, right? Our mind, we have our conscious mind, our subconscious mind, our superconscious mind. The subconscious is what separates the conscious and the superconscious. So once we clear this out, 
right? What do you think happens? The superconscious becomes closer to the subconscious and we create a pathway. It's like creating a pathway to the left and right side of the brain. We're creating new pathways to actually start to tap into our potential as human beings and own the fact that we are creators. So we are going from subconscious creators and unconscious creators because we're actually manifesting all the stress in our lives unconsciously. We're evolving from that state to a state of being or a state of evolution where we're consciously creating the life that we want by believing in it and ingraining and embodying those beliefs into the cells in our body. So we're actually emoting and emitting that which we want. And then the universe has to catch up to us. Right. By which bringing is, those things into our lives. Yeah. Which is not hard for the universe. It can uh, move pretty quick sometimes. <laughs> right. It's it, The challenge is not on the universe's side. The, the task is on our side. Mm-hmm. And none of our pain, none of our quote unquote shortcomings, none of this stress, none of this trauma is our fault, but it is our task to fix. Right. No one's going to come and fix it for us. There's no knight in shining armor. You're the knight in shining armor. You are the one. You are the key to your own universe. You are the key to unlocking the abundance from within you so that you see it all around you. Mm. You are the one. And until you put yourself as number one in your life, if you have your kids above you, you know your relatives, your jobs above you, Everyone in your life, including yourself, is going to get a second-rate version of you. Once you put yourself number one, everyone is getting the true you, the natural you, and life just starts to open up from deep inside you. You know, when I uh, made that shift in my mindset uh, from... I'm content. I've got enough. uh, This is this works for me. I'm I'm happy. To I'm content. I've got enough. Uh, I'm happy and I want more because I want to do more. Uh, it's And again, it's not to say that <clears throat> without it, I will not be more because I will, whether I, whether it, it comes or not. And I'm trying to come at it from a, a position of, um, shall we say, non-expectation. But the moment that I did that, uh, and even though, and I, I, I firmly believe that sometimes we set scenarios up from the past that we catch up to. And in this case, it was, I decided <clears throat> because I could use the money now rather than later that I would apply for social security. Mm-hmm. And I've been waiting and waiting and waiting. And it was supposed to start in August and it didn't until September goes by, October goes by. Here I am early November and I'm thinking, I'm going to go down there. I'm going to find out what's going on. You know, I'm just just curious. I'm not trying to press or anything. I just mm-hmm. would like to know why there's such a delay here. And I've gotten conflicting uh, stories from different people. So I go down there and the guy tells me, and this was late in the afternoon one day. Well, I'll have to call you tomorrow. Well, who calls you back from a federal agency the next day? Guess what? He did. And he explained to me that they'd resolved the uh the conflict, the bottleneck, what have you, and that I should see X number of dollars in my bank account that day. I immediately go to my bank account. There it is. Oh my gosh. Then I met with one of my advertisers and he was visiting uh, here in the, in town and, and he did his show live from, uh, from the radio station. We had a meeting afterwards after lunch and 
He says, I've got some good news and bad news. Now, I will tell you, I can't remember what the bad news was. So apparently it wasn't that bad. Uh, and the good news was he handed me a bonus, a rather substantial bonus. And I'm wow. Thank you, universe. I mean, I thank him, certainly. But thank you, universe, not only for hearing me, but uh, but for, for giving me this. And then, of course, I repeated, and I want more. I do, because I want to be able to do more. And I was able to take my wife out on, well, you might call it a shopping spree using that bonus. And we had a lot of fun that day. It was real. And that was one of the things that I wanted to do. I wanted to share that abundance with her. Uh, in addition, of course, to taking care of some bills and so on and so forth. And sometimes it's hard to stay there because then you start looking at the numbers. All right bank account or otherwise and you're going well wait a minute where's the more where's the more it's like uh -uh. i'm i'm going to guess here in this process process <laughs> that you have developed through the three keys to managing managing ptsd and the uh, uh stress is gone that you've got to let go of expectations for whatever it is shall we say, that you are desiring, that you are asking for, and that, it, that, that you don't need to keep asking over and over again. The universe gets it. You know, it's, it's almost like the universe is over there going, okay, shut up. We got it. We got it. <laughs> Your thoughts. Yeah. So I love that story and the experience you just shared about, I want more, right? And then- Lo and behold, more started coming. The cool thing was you had to work with it too. You didn't sit there and just wait forever for another 10 years for that little glitch to get worked out. You actually went down there. Mm -hmm. You got off your butt, talked to somebody. So now you're working with the universe. We're co-creating with the universe, all right? So that's very important. The inner beliefs is where it starts. The emoting, right? So I think you became conscious. I want more right? Mm -hmm. And one of the things we like to do is a thought that you repeat creates a neural net, right? Just imagine like a circuit. What I like to do is play with that circuitry to get it ingrained, but then also to let it grow. So I want more. Thank you universe for more. I love when my heart remembers what it feels like to have more. I feel so blessed by the universe for more. Right. So you're actually starting to open up your heart. You're actually growing the circuitry by just giving more story, more talking points around it. Right. So you're building it out. Mm -hmm. Now, when you get it to a certain point, it starts to function on itself because it's supporting itself. So I like to build in those four legs on the table. Right. So to speak, and let that thought form be self supporting. So what you had mentioned was sometimes you get what you wanted to manifest, you got more, but then it's like, oh, wait, what's going on? It starts to drift away or it comes and goes in, in phases and in cycles, right? Mm -hmm. Or you have to work at it. That's why I like to have the four legs on the table support that consciousness. So not only do I want more, but thank you universe for having more. I love what it feels like when I have more. I love when my body, heart and soul rejoices in having more. 
I love what it looks like. So now you're starting to give you some imagery inside your brain, inside your mind, your mind's eye of what it looks like when you have more. I love celebrating every month, every week that I have more and more and that it continues to grow so that it's almost like a flow that starts to widen on its own. Yeah. Right. So you're just creating the structure inside the back of your mind and then you're letting it sink in, opening the heart. For me, it's the key is really using the circuitry in the brain, those new neural nets with the thoughts and then bringing in the emotion to it, connecting the emotion in the heart and the thoughts in the brain. They say that the brain is like electrically wired into the universe with the thoughts and the neural nets. And then the heart has the electromagnetic field to attract it into the present moment. And to me, it's coming from deep inside of us and outside of us simultaneously for like a center point of when we actually receive it. So that's how I kind of view and approach this whole idea of, you know, manifesting by creating that feeling of joy, excitement, love, and appreciation and gratitude for it as if we already have it. And that just continues to bring more and more of it. And then just talking to it and changing the sentences slightly. Um, and this is all inside the belief embodiment technique um, that we have in our latest book and that I teach in the workshops and retreats. And, and that the latest book program. is Chaos to, I almost said it uh, differently here, Chaos to Calm, Personal Freedom from the Inside Out. And it has often been said, uh, Brett, uh, as above, so below, and as below, so above, as if you will, uh, that um, unless we do the work on the inside, not a whole lot is going to change in our lives because it doesn't make any difference what you change on the outside. It's kind of like working with shifting sand on the outside. It's going to constantly move, whereas you don't need to hold anything down when you're working on the inside, it's it's pretty well held down. And you that's where you need to work on letting it go, lightening it, letting it float away, so to speak, right? Yeah, a lot of this becomes getting into a flow state where you're releasing worry and you're really starting to live more in the moment. And the whole approach with stress is gone. Stress is gone is kind of like the starting point, mm -hmm. right? Because our biggest problem is our own body stress reaction. We can't control anything on the outside. The only thing we can control is how we respond and react to stress. Currently, 95% of our reactions are automatic. They're unconscious and they're coming from millions of years of programming, from generational stress, um, historic stress, traumatic stress, uh, stre inherited stress from our parents. Um, you know, they say that from seven to 14 generations within our DNA, we have all those old reactions and, you know, our genetics are pre-programmed for stress and how we're reacting and responding. That's why, you know, as we're growing up and we become the age of our parents, we're like, oh, wow, I just really sound like my parent and things like that. Because at a certain age, it starts to express itself, right? Yeah. The epigenetics of our genes. So this whole approach with stress is gone. It's kind of like taking an eraser to an overpopulated chalkboard and just starting to erase all this stuff to give us a clean slate so that we could be present and dive into the moment to see what magic can come out of it. And what I found is when we get out of the way and we just let spirit come through, 
that's like the most we can do to connect to love and to listen to one another, to just truly be in the moment outside of all reactions. It's almost like the curtain is parting and we're getting a moment to be present. And then the next moment is going to arise a new challenge. We got to open up the curtain again. (laughs) Um, But after a while, when you get good at it, you start to wake up in the morning feeling more happy and you start to realize that the sun is shining. Even when you can't see it behind the clouds, you know the sun's there. So you still feel it on the inside um, with practice and doing you know, the stuff that we teach in the daily membership. My wife and I teach meditation and movement every day in our membership. So uh, that's live through Zoom every morning. And it's the way we just kind of like part the curtains so we could receive the sunlight. And then you kind of master it as your body gets the muscle memory to do it automatically. And I do like this fra- the phrase, stress is gone. Present tense, it is gone. Pick up a copy of uh, Three Keys to uh, Managing PTSD, as well as Chaos to Calm, Personal Freedom from the Inside Out. Go to stressisgone.com, which we will be linked to. And uh, Brett, uh, I want to thank you for joining me here on Tell Me Your Story and sharing your story of uh, how you are helping people uh, to live lives that uh, they can uh, feel good about. Uh, they can uh, move forward without fear, or at least minimal fear, shall we say, and understand that uh, where they were is just that, where they were, they're in a new space and in a new place, and life is unlimited. Absolutely. I love leaving it at life is unlimited, and all I'm doing with stress is gone and helping people do is kind of release all that stuff that we absorbed throughout our lives, all that stuff that was never the real us, just kind of shedding it layer by layer so that we can fully be present and fully be here in the moment for ourselves, for each other, and to have the most enjoyable, fruitful, fulfilling life that we possibly can. My guest is uh, Brett Cutter. Chaos to Calm, Personal Freedom from the Inside Out. I'm Richard Dugan, and this is Tell Me Your Story. Brett, I want to thank you again for joining us. I have three final questions that I would like to ask you that I ask all of my guests. But before I do that, I want to thank you for listening to and watching Tell Me Your Story. New paradigms for a new world where we're giving you choices and knowledge of those choices To help make your dreams come true, we are here on Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m., Wednesdays at 9 a.m., and we're streaming live at those times at richarddugan.com. Our podcasts are on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and many other locations. We're also on YouTube where you can watch these interviews, and uh, we hope that you will subscribe. And at least uh, click notification so that when I post a new conversation, you will be aware that it's there and you can listen to that and uh, come to know our uh, our new guest, uh, our new conversationalist, if you will, uh, and uh, gather new information that will help you to uh, live a more fruitful, if you will, a more pro- positive, productive, on-purpose life. We also ask that if you can support the work that we are doing financially, we would greatly appreciate that. 
Uh, I want more. And if you can help us to achieve that, so much the better. We have a PayPal account. It is there for your security as well as ours. Uh, I've tried to make it as uh, safe as possible for folks. And I hope that you will uh, join us here on uh, Tell Me Your Story. We uh, also encourage you to um, spend some time going within and listening to that still small voice and um, being quiet and calm and peaceful and just enjoying that space, uh, even if it's just for a few minutes at a time. Uh, Every little bit will help in that that regard. Uh, That's where a lot of us get our guidance. That's where we get our uh, inspiration, our encouragement and so forth. And sometimes it's just where we get our quiet time. So we hope that you will participate in that. With all that being said, let's move into our final three questions for our very special guest. Again, the book is Chaos to Calm. The website Stress is Gone. And the first question is, who is Brett Cotter? Brett Cotter is just a guy from Queens. Grew up with my brother, uh, single mom, raised us. And... uh, When I was a kid, I did everything I could, um, running through the neighborhood, playing sports, riding bikes, riding dirt bikes. Uh, I loved just being out and living life. And um, then when I was in my 20s, late 20s, I got into this whole idea of meditation. And then I started realizing my patterns. And then I started realizing I had issues with anger and jealousy. And then what do guys try and do? We try to fix things, right? Most of the time, I don't really fix things. I just kind of mess them up worse. But this time I got lucky. <laughs> this time I got I like lucky. That. Just I kidding. Like that. And um, came across an amazing teacher and a series of amazing teachers, all that pointed me to the inside where I found that oneness, nurtured it, and allowed my heart to reopen and love every time those feelings come up that are all the stuff that I absorbed that are not my true nature. So uh, that's me in a nutshell, just the guy from Queens doing the best that I can to keep the ship headed in the right direction and to share the tools that I've learned and created over the last 23 years. What is your life's purpose? I would say just right where I ended up, just to share the tools to help people love themselves better. That's what I feel my life purpose is. Um, when I am gone, I would love to be able to just leave the tools in a way that are easy to use, easy to digest and stand on their own. Uh, that's one of my goals. And finally, what was your best day? No, the day my son was born. Mm. Yeah, the day my son was born. Well, Brett, I want to thank you again for joining us here on the program. As I said, we will be linked to your website so folks can find out more. And you have a free gift when they go there. Uh, and that is uh, something that will help to get them started uh, along the along the path from chaos to calm. And uh, we thank you for that and uh, for being a part of the program. Thank you so much for having me, Richard. It was great being with you. Uh, Wishing you a great day. And until our next broadcast, podcast, videocast, love to all. Jeanette, I am listening. Dad, continue to be happy because I am. Smokey, 
I'll see you on the other side. And to my dear friend, Zorro, aho, aho. <laughs>